We are right on. You're lagging. I mean, one of us is always going to be lagging. How about, I'll count. Ready? One, two, three. You're lagging. Now you're, la- you're right on with me. It's weird. I hate it. I'd like to propose a toast. Welcome to Wines and Dolls, a podcast where Chelsea and Emily wine and talk about musicals. Welcome. Wine is a double one time drop. Okay. She's, um, she's feeling chilly from the looks of it, y'all. Emily is, is buried deep down inside of a fuzzy looking, lovely little sweater. I'll have to tell you about it. Is it a blanket? It's a wearable blanket that has a pouch for your animals. Oh, I used to have something like that. That's so <laughs> comfy and cozy. I'll send you the video of me and having putting fig in it, and all you hear me in the video, all you hear is me going, <laughs> oh, <laughs> little figgy buddy. He oh. is. Uh, he is my wine today. Oh, hey Emily. Hey Chelsea. Actually, first of all, welcome to Wines and Dolls, a podcast where we talk about musicals and we wine and stuff and we drink. Um, but hey, Emily. Hey, Chelsea. What are you drink? What, Drinking. Are, what are you drinking today? Topo Chico. Hey, Topo. I was gonna make a cup of or a glass, a cup, a cuppa. I was gonna make a cuppa. Oh my god, I'm losing my mic, my headphones. Hold on. And your mic. <gasps> yeah, and a lot of other things. Um, we know. If you so I was gonna, dolls every week. <laughs> I was going to make a cup of tea, but there was no water in my kettle, and then refilling it was too much of a chore. So I found a Topo Chico. Oh, that's nice. And I could hear Chelsea going, "Come on, come on, Not come to on! You. You're late. You're late." I to didn't who? say that. I, I, you, I could hear you internally yelling at me. I was like, "I'm here! I made it! I did it!" Yeah. I'm here. Hey, Chelsea. Hey, Emily. What are you drinking? Um, gosh darn it. It keeps doing it. I am drinking that red wine that you got me last week. It's still good. I put my cat butt um, wine stopper in it and uh, it's it's delicious. I'm drinking that and I have a bottle of water because I drove out <laughs> to Stageworks this afternoon and for whatever reason, while I'm on the road, I'm like, God damn, I'm thirsty. Fuck. Do you mean to say that your wine was saved by a catanus? It was. My wine was saved by a catanus. A cat anus. If you've never been to London and taken the trips on the buses, there's very, very funny tour guides to Bath. Or if you listen to, I think, the Drowsy Chaperone episode. We talk about I think it's when we introduced the catanus. A catanus is on your face when you purse your lips in um, uh, anger. And our tour guide on the way to Bath and to where else to go? The... On the way to bathe, he was showing you all a catanus. Bath? It was a joke. No, they've heard this story. If they've listened to the Drowsy Chaperone episode, which I, for some reason, I think it's that episode. I don't remember Drowsy Chaperone episode. Um, anyway, yeah, it was it was fun. It was He was a funny um, tour guide. Hey, hey Chelsea. Hey, Emily. I technically won that. No, we said it at the same time on my end. Hey, Emily. Hey, Chelsea. 
What are you whining about? Um, I think Fig might be in some sort of like prepubescent age where he thinks that he needs to pee on things. Huh. And at first I thought it was Olive because it was like my bath rug where like he, where Fig hangs out. And I was like, well, maybe Olive went in there and was like pissy. And then so she peed on it. Emily, you've never owned a cat. Well, I've never had a cat that like, I had, I had cat, like a cat growing up, but yeah, no, it was Was it a female. No, it was male, but yeah, Mm. he peed on the rug and then he peed on, I have a fuzzy rug. That's like a fake animal skin Mm -hmm. from Costco. It's, it's all fake. But it's Olive's like secondary bed. And, but it's been sitting up on my ottoman so that neither of them would do shit to it. And I was looking at it and there was this little itty bitty stain on it. And I thought maybe it just like some, like like dirt or something. And then I picked it up and found the stain on my ottoman yeah. under it. And He's so marking. I've been... Yeah, I'm about to mark him back to the kitty cat store if he keeps doing it. You can't take him back to the kitty cat store to what he's supposed to do. You that's- hear that, Figgy? I'm going to go back to the kitty cat store. No. He's, that's, what, that's what male cats do is they mark. And it's not... Go it's mark not, his litter box. It's not pee. It's something else. It's a spray that comes out of them. So I thought that he wasn't supposed to do that. Was he fixed? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe take him to the doctor and see. Because if he's not marking, then that may be a sign of um, distress, Um, whether it's a urinary tract infection. When they start peeing on shit that's not their box, a lot of times it's them trying to get your attention. So maybe take him to the doctor and be like, hey, he's doing this. Uh, It might be the backpack I'm forcing him in or the harness that he's currently in because he went for a walk yesterday. (laughs) That could be it. He could be upset. He wanted to go outside so bad. And the only way he can go outside is in the harness. So he and Olive and I all went outside. He does like his backpack, though. He crawls his ass a little. He actually walks into the backpack all by his lonesome. Backpack, backpack. It's cute. That's cute. Hey, Chelsea. Hey, Emily. What are you whining about? Oh, man. It's a positive, sparkling fucking wine today. I'm trying to be as positive as possible. I, um, number one, the 17th is Friday. That is tomorrow to all of you listeners. And that means it's St. Patty's Day, which is the day of my peoples, even though it's not really. Irish people do not celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Uh, You're Irish? I am Irish. I'm Scottish, too. I'm like super Irish though. <laughs> like to the point when we went back to Ireland, I knew where my great grandparents, great, great, great grandparents had um, immigrated from. And we went and visited this, the building, the castle they used to oh. work for or live in or something. I just thought you were white. Yeah, that too. I'm very white. No, I'm super Irish though. Um, and Scottish um, and German. And yeah, so anyway, so you are white, very white. I'm very, (laughs) very, very white, very, very white. Um, anyway, it's the day of my people, y'all, uh, March 17th, St. Patty's day, but it's also my last day at HGL. Oh, Oh. I'm doing my best to try to leave a secession plan, but that's a, it's a long, long document right now. I'm waiting for your job to be posted. You're going to apply. I'll think about it. They are looking for educators and people that are comfortable writing lesson plans and takes aligning things to apply. So apply for my job. I mean, I can I can plan shit. 
It's a, it's a good team. It's a really good team. I will say I'm not applying for your job. <laughs> um, anybody who does want to apply, if you live in the Houston area, it's a good team. I know they're, they're excited to, to get somebody in the place pretty soon. Um, and then you can reach out to me if you have questions, but I'm leaving a, a plan. So nobody has to do that. So you don't have to reach. I was like, don't, don't offer that up. That nah, sounds terrible. That does sound terrible. I just won't answer the phone. Like you can, you can call and you can email, but I may not answer you. Just like Chelsea's phone number is. Absolutely not. Absolutely not, ma'am. I think I, I've like, I have threatened to tell you that people your phone number on the podcast like six times. Well, I'm going to tell them your secrets too. No, don't, don't, don't release secrets. it. Yes, you do. I can't talk about certain things because certain things are not done and I can't talk about them. Yeah. Yeah. I had to go edit that out. Anyway. Good. Hey, so what are we doing today? Uh, I am going to listen to your beautiful voice. My rant. For the next hour or so, as you explained to me. Oh, no. Sunset Boulevard, which you were right. It it did not open on. It's opening in the Kennedy Center. Yay. I don't know where I was living that it had already happened. Who knows? Who knows? Could be. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, yeah, that's over. over. Thank God that's over. Uh, it was good, though. It was a, it was a really it's good most, show. Uh, Paul Hook Cabaret, Bernstein. Uh, it was popular. It was, it was just a really, 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 really long show. And then the addition of two extra shows was like, oh, my God. Sunset Boulevard. Going to Sunset Boulevard. It's a place oh. that we walk down because it's a boulevard, but not the one of broken dreams. You really don't. Oh, maybe they are broken dreams. Yeah, I don't know. They are actually. And uh, you don't know how close you were in the very beginning. You're like Sunset Boulevard because you are, you've got the rhythm correct. Almost. Oh, yes. You're almost there. It's Sunset Boulevard. And it's actually sounds a lot like. Dun 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 da 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 da, which is from an opera. I did know that because I like something popped up and I was like, "That's Sunset Boulevard." I feel like that's something else. Also, I was singing the alto line. Oh, okay, sure. There's not an alto line there, but okay, cool. I was singing the definitely solo. I tried. What is that opera piece? I think I want to say it's Barbara Seville. It is Barbara Seville. I think it's Barbara Seville. It's got to be. Yeah. It's not Rigoletto. La, uh, la Donna Mobile. That's it. It's La Donna Mobile. La... I just know the phonetics. So. Da, 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 Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I know the vowels. Uh, the mobile woman or the moving woman. It's either Barbara Seville or it's... um. What's the other one? Where he fucks all the women in town and then burns in hell oh my god i can't remember think of it don giovanni don giovanni hey good job thank you did you find the song <laughs> so i no no i just looked up barbara seville to see who because I, I don't who wrote this uh barbara god, seville it's rossini. Yeah, rossini yeah and who wrote uh don giovanni mm. not rossini hold on a second uh Okay, twenty three forty six. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking, y'all. Don't don't come at me. Mozart. Why are we stupid? Is it Mozart? It's Mozart. Uh, so maybe it is. What Don is Giovanni. La Donna Mobile from? Because that's Verdi. La Donna Don- Mobile 
is it's called women is it's translate roughly to woman is fickle from rigoletto there it is it's rig i was rigoletto i said that i said yes you were correct I can't believe me. I was like, is it Rigoletto? I'm so proud of you. You're correct. It's Giuseppe Verdi's Rigoletto. La donna mobile. Something. something. This like gives me so much validation (laughs) of like what I literally just absorbed in college and had no study of. Oh my God. And Chelsea went to college for this. Yeah, I did. I did. I'm just coming at you from instinct. You know, thank you. Thank you, Emily. I appreciate it. Anyway, uncovering, which, okay, backing up, if you listen to last week's episode, um, the the writers of Sunset Boulevard, the movie, said that it could never be a musical unless it, well, because it could only be an opera because of how very much it is, how very over-the-top dramatic it is. And so... Um, even Sondheim was like Andrew Lloyd Webber was like, Fuck yeah, Andrew, that. well, Andrew Lloyd Webber grew up with opera. He grew up with Rigoletto. He loved his parents would play, um, opera on the, the, you know, they, what's it called? The record player. So he grew up with opera. That's where a lot of his inspirations come from. The centrifuge of music. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know opera. Yeah. I can do that. Sure. In musical form. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why, you know, a lot of people are like, oh my God. Yeah. I love opera. I love the Phantom of the Opera. I'm like, nope, wrong. You're wrong. You're incorrect. You are incorrect. You do not love opera if you love Phantom of the Opera. Anyway. Um, hello. Uh, anyway. So we're getting into Sunset Boulevard synopsis today. So let's go through some of the major characters before we jump into Act 1. And for your records, Emily, I covered the 2017 Glenn Close production on Broadway. That was the revival. Just I will, re- I will try to remember for, that. For you, that's the one I watched. That's what I was watching. Thanks. You're welcome. Okay. okay. So Norma Desmond. Um. Just a moment, just in case my computer's fucking up. Norma Desmond is played by a mezzo-soprano, usually an older woman. So in the Kennedy Center, we have uh, Stephanie J. Block, and I would actually argue that she's still too young to play this role. What? I do agree, but it's the Kennedy Center. Yeah, you're a little... uh, And with the Kennedy Center, you're a little closer up. I don't know. They're going to have to age the shit out of her. But she's going to... Well, I think it's concert style usually, right? Kennedy Center? No. No, they're doing... production she's got like okay so the the outfit that i'm wearing in the thing that christy made that's the new updated outfit that stephanie j block is wearing like it's not just oh that is her outfit with the the white muffs that she's got and that comes up later that outfit comes up later it's pretty damn iconic i love it so norma desmond is a faded eccentric former silent screen star say that 10 times fast silent screen star I already, I already missed the first half of it, so no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then we have Joe Gillis. He is a baritoner, is what they have this as. And to my opera friends, I apologize. That's not a thing in the musical world. It yeah. is. Um, baritone with some tenor notes. So a tenor with some low notes, a baritone with some high notes. Um, he's a struggling... I would say he's just a tenor. A struggling young screen... He is a struggling <laughs> young screenwriter... And Joe Gillis is kind of the narrator of the sh- of the story. He does every once in a while stop, freeze frame everything, and then he'll talk to the audience and break the fourth wall. We've got Max von Meyerling. 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 He's a bass baritone. 
Um, this is, it says on here that it's Norma's first husband and Butler, but that's, that's really incorrect. Thank you, Wikipedia. He's not Norma's first husband. He's actually the person who, unless I missed it when I was watching it, he's, um, Max is her Butler, but is also in love with her, but is also ha directed her. He was her first director. Um, and he directed a lot of her young movies. So maybe they were married at some point, but I don't remember that in the show. I will say I got, Ooh, scandalous. I got pretty bored. <laughs> I know you texted me and you're like, I'm going to gouge oh my, my eyes God. out. Oh my God. It's just not a show I want to pay to see. So um, anyway, then we have Betty Schaefer. She's a soprano, but really Betty Schaefer doesn't sing a whole lot. It's the reason why we don't, you and I as sopranos don't know this role is because there's no memorable, there, there's no memorable songs for her. She's just like, but do 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 I'm here. I'm a love interest. Do 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 I'm gone. Uh, but she's a budding that explains right? it. She's a budding writer uh and Joe's love interest. So Joe falls in love with Betty. She's also engaged to Joe's best friend, Artie Green. So um side note. Anyway, Betty's kind of boring. She also challenges um Joe's viewpoint in life and he likes that and she challenges a lot of people um anyway but she's she's adorable but just has no memorable sh anything then there's Cecil B. DeMille he's a bass and he does have a song he's a famous director of the movies and he did direct Norma Desmond back in the day but it's been a hot second since he's worked with her um then we have that's, that's, that's Cecil that's yes. Cecil. Okay. Uh, Max was her first director, but Cecil is the famous yes. director. Artie Green is a baritoner. Again, I apologize for that. And Betty's fiance, also Joe's friend. Myron Sheldrake is a film producer on the lot. And then Manfred is an expensive tailor. Manfred's really cute. He's like the gay in the show and comes on stage. <laughs> he comes on stage to dress Joe that comes up and at the end of act one and it's it was being played by the sexy Derek. are you Lena. talking about 2016 or joe for the for oh. kennedy center Derek clean yummy from yes, i know what you're talking about yummy yeah yummy and mm. moulin rouge i heard i heard the mm. person who came through houston was a much better what's his face in moulin rouge than the original Broadway. That's just the TI Then Aaron Tibet. That's that's just have you not seen their social media campaign of him singing that one song that I share every time it pops up? But I've also seen like Idina Menzel sing one song correctly all the way through from Wicked. So like in one take you can do a lot, right? Who knows? I mean that one take is all it took. We're going to go into act one. Act one, what should I call it? I'm going to call it, I'm struggling to survive. To get through this show. To get through this show. Also, <laughs> Joe is struggling to survive. We're, we're, at, the, we're at the top. Actually, a lot, a lot of people are struggling to survive. Um, so this is in 
I actually didn't get the time frame. Oh my God. 19, obviously we're out of the talkie times, Mm but 1940s, 1950s um, in LA. So the place we start on stage with a mansion on Sunset Boulevard. And I will say this 2017 production is very dark, not just in the lighting, not just I would in, say in the lining or content. Yes. Or direction. All of it. All okay. of it. Um, the flashbacks in 49. Yeah. It's very, it's very minimal. The set's super minimal. There's like, um, there's uh, doors that come in and out so that are screens that come in and out that part halfway through the, the stage. Um, the band is on stage or the orchestra is on stage towards the back. Ooh. Um, there's a platform behind the orchestra where some people can stand. And then there's like, um, there's a stairwell that comes down. So it's almost like a, a twisty stairwell. Ooh. There's, there's some just like, uh, like very newsies, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Very industrial looking newsies kind of set. I didn't expect Scaffolding. That scaffolding uh metal yeah i didn't expect that for this set and it made it very dark a lot of the set that's brought in is is super dark and just super minimal i didn't like it i was like y'all can do better y'all can do better let's make this mansion look even dirtier and dank and and nasty but um anyway we start with we're in the mansion and it's 5 a.m and the orchestra is on stage joe gillis is standing front and center uh, in a white button down with khaki pants and there's a spotlight on him and everything else is dark. A homicide has just been reported. A homicide. Mm. Joe sets the scene in the song prologue. I guess it was 5 a.m. A homicide had been reported from one of those crazy mansions up on sunset Tomorrow every front page is going to lead with a story You see an old-time movie star is involved Maybe the biggest star of all He notes in this song that, quote-unquote, an old-time movie star is involved in this homicide maybe the biggest star of all. And that, if you want to know the real facts, quote unquote, you've come to the right party. So he's breaking the fourth wall already, talking to the audience about this party. I will say, I don't like any of the sung music except for like two songs. And they they both belong to Norma Desmond. Um, oh, okay. I, I really don't like any of the sung songs except those two. And everything that the orchestra does. I love everything that was written for the orchestra. This was written to be like an orchestral dance. It is fucking gorgeous. Everything else, though, is like, oh, my God, are we really just, are we speak singing? Is that it? That's all we're doing here? It's horrible. Anyway, or it's written for a bass. It's just stupid. Anyway. Oh, hey, I have a time frame now. Flashback to Hollywood, 1949. Ha ha. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) It was like the flashbacks in 49. Thank you. We're in 1949, where a down-on-his-luck screenwriter, Joe Gillis, is trying to hustle up some work at Paramount Studios in the song, Let's Have Lunch. Hi, Mr. Gillis. You look great. I'm up for an audition. Shell Drake is driving me insane. Don't forget me when you're casting. We should talk. Gotta run. Let's have lunch. Morning, Joanna. Hi, Myron. Who are you meeting? You 
shell drink, but do I need I it? I spent the last month fasting in my second here in our western town at I'd really love to Don't read it. Don't me when you're catching. We should talk. We should gotta run. Gotta run. Let's have lunch. So as you can imagine, this entire... Song, I'll drink to that. I'll drink to that. Well, it's... Is it's, that like company? It's it's not exactly company. That is from company. You are correct. But it's not exactly company that he's he's doing. Um, everybody on stage is walking by him and ignoring him. And they're like, oh, hey, Joe, how you doing? Yeah, oh, my God, I totally miss you. Let's have lunch. And then they walk away without making plans. So that's just it's just showing you the vibe of the people that he's around in Los Angeles and that nobody's very nobody's sincere. Nobody's actually going to stop and and make sure that he is uh, taken care of or heard or listened to at all in any context. So even his friends are like, yeah, 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 I love you. Let's have lunch. And they walk off. Right. Um, his he has an appointment with a producer and that goes poorly when the executive uh, rejects both Joe's proposed script and a loan to bring his car payments up to date. He's like, hey, so you won't take my script, but hey, can I get like a loan on like $300? Because these sharks, these mobster type uh, loan debt collectors are uh, following him asking for the $300 or else they're going to take his car. And so they're kind of pushing him around, but we kind of get the idea here in this scene that Joe's kind of a little rapscallion. He's very like, very um, Aladdin-esque in the way he can escape that. You know what I mean? You know, you remember Aladdin? You ever watched Aladdin? I do. Okay. I have. I just, I was looking at, to see if I could get tickets to Sunset Boulevard and it did close at the Kennedy Center. So I'm on one again. Okay. <laughs> it closed February 8th. Okay, continue. Okay, anyway, so... I'm so confused. <laughs> I don't understand. It, whatever, it's fine. So the black background now opens to reveal steel structures and a woman dancing, or not a woman, but three women dancing in rehearsal for this Arabian dance film. The song is just absolutely... Arabian Right? That's where I'm getting Aladdin. I'm getting a lot of Aladdin here, but with lots of white people, which is not unlike the original <laughs> Aladdin, right. the voices at least. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they're they're on set at Paramount filming this, and everybody's like, this is going to be the best movie ever. song is terrible. It's absolutely horrible. This let's have lunch thing, ugh, not memorable at all, and it's just people speak singing. So... That's where we are on that. Um, and I will say, like, if he was trying to emulate, what is it, re recitative? Some people call it recitative. If he's trying to ratchet. imitate ratchet, some ratcheting. 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 have done that before. It is ratchet. Yeah. Um, if, there, if he's trying to imitate that, he's not doing it well. Because a recit is supposed to be right before an aria. And it sets up for the aria. It's not just speak singing. So, like... The idea, of, I'm sorry, Lloyd Webber, you did not get it right. If that's what you were trying to do, it's not good. <laughs> I don't like it. I have a, I have some notes. I have some notes. I, I realize I'm a little late, but I have some notes. Anyway, here's you're here for the tea, though. You're here for my opinion. That's yes, yes. that's exactly why I'm here. Not you, I don't mean you. You don't, oh. you don't even want oh, to listen sorry. to me talk about this. <laughs> anyway, um, so. He's a rapscallion because he's able to distract the loan sharks and jumps in his car and, and gets away. Anyway, but before he does that, um, he does meet Betty Schaefer in the office of the producer. Um, he, he's like, he's there trying to sell his script. 
And um, she walks in because he, uh, the boss guy, the producer guy gets on. And he's like, hey, bring me that script, blah, 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 the, the one about this. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was terrible. Here it is. I like I made a summary for you, but you may not even want to read it because it was so bad. And and he's like, meet the writer. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, anyway, all all of that happens. Um, actually, hold on. Just I'll, I'll come back to that in a second. Um, okay. So he meets Betty Schaefer and there's a lot that's going on in this. Um, she takes him aside and suggests that she helps him to collaborate on a screenplay because she knows his earlier works and she likes his earlier works, but she realizes that now the shit he's writing is pandering for Paramount essentially. So she's like, you're not writing what you know, let me help you. Let me, let me, let me get back. Let's rewrite something together. Anyway, this all happens in every movie's a circus. Jesus, think of the effort trying to get him to heighten his sights. Every movie's a circus. Can't we discuss this? Schwab's Thursday night. What for? Nothing will happen. I gotta go now. Fight the good fight. What's the rush? So they meet um, in this office and it's really awkward and he kind of hates her. It's like one of those like meet cute kind of things, except they really hate each other. Well, it, that, is a, that is a meet cute. Like they, that is it. <laughs> they don't like each other. She's like, let me help you. Let's be friends. Let's rewrite some stuff in her transatlantic, you know, L.A. accent. Um, so she's like, <laughs> okay. Uh, I've also, oh, never mind. I'm going to skip that. I already said that. So anyway, um, no, I want to hear it again. Do you? Yeah. They just argue about his script. She's like, basically it's a terrible script and I'm going to tell you how to do it better. No, I want you to say it in a transatlantic accent. Okay. Basically it's a terrible script and they're going to talk about how she can improve his script. You sound like you have marbles in your yes, mouth. Yes, I know. That's side. part of the transatlantic accent. Don't you know? We're, on, we're almost in the 1950s. Now you're kind of going and, and to women you're kind of going Canadian. Women, women have opinions, Emily. Anyway, so as they chat about her, you are not a sexy transatlantic. I'm trying to be sexy, <laughs> just trying to do transatlantic. Don't you know, Emily? Goodness oh my gracious. Okay, I, I'm sorry Holy I requested geez. this. Okay, continue. Holy fucking Jake Willikers, Willikers, Emily. She's just trying to do an accent. Anyway. Do the rest of the podcast like that. <laughs> Side note, can't do that. I've <laughs> I've been Minnie Mouse for an hour before and that hurts my voice. Oh. Can I tell you something? Side note, speaking of accents. Um I'm gonna tell you anyway, whether you say yes. I'm waiting for you to say, say it. You didn't consent, but I was gonna tell you anyway. anyway. Okay, well, as usual, I... our friendship is not consensual. <laughs> Damn, this wine is hitting good. So I got to be Snow White for the first time ever this weekend at a birthday party. And it was so much fun. And I, But I hadn't, like, had never done Snow White ever. So I had to go look up how to do a Snow White voice and how to do the makeup and everything. And it turns out that, that Snow White, her voice is pitched up here a little bit. And she speaks a little slower. And it's almost like, oh, Marilyn Monroe. Is it really that low? No, she's not. 
She speaks through her nose. Well, she, she does speak through her nose, but a lot of what she does is very Marilyn. And you should really go back and listen to her. And she purses her lips out so that she can maybe get a kiss from a prince. I don't know. And then maybe. I saw this thing on TikTok afterwards, and it was like, uh, it was going through the different accents, like from the 1930s on of Disney characters. And they're like, we're trying to, at this point in the 1930s, remind you of European descent. And I'm not sure why this is European descent. I just sound like I'm twisting my hair and, and chewing on gum a little bit. I have no brain. Anyway, that's that's what I got from this. So that's what I did. I mean, she, huh. she ate an apple from a stranger. <laughs> so, I mean... It was it was wild, um, but also that party was outdoors, and I was dying. I was like, I'm not yeah. going to keep this voice very long. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to the show. We're back in transatlantic times, right? Anyway, um, as she's as they chat about her pitching one of his good scripts, uh, the car repossession agent spot Joe, who quickly escapes. He's able to like do his Aladdin movements and get out of there. So. We get the idea that everyone is just too busy for Joe, but he's pretty fucking desperate for work. Aren't we all? I mean, most people are too busy for me and I'm desperate for work. Amesies. Well, getting there. Um, everybody give Emily some work, please. Please give Emily some. I just had my photo shoots for modeling. So hopefully that just like oh. those photos just, just circulate and everyone hires me for photos. Yeah, <laughs> Get it. Um, that's what work on that website you push that shit push it hard uh push it push it push it to the limit limit because we're in it to win it in it to win it babe as high school musical i'm doing it i'm doing salt and pepper anyway (laughs) actually that would be a really good mashup Ooh, tm okay we're only like we're not into a moment of the show stop interrupting the show emily and we'll oh my goodness emily you should really stop interrupting the show. <laughs> For all of you that can't see, she just pushed her microphone way the fuck out of the way. Emily, no, get your microphone back. I was just joking. Do the show. Do the Fine. show. Bring your microphone back. I want Hello. you. I want you to react. Anyway, um, so at this point, we see he's desperate for work. So this is all black, and it goes blackout, and then we see car lights. Boop. We got two little car lights on stage because they didn't want to actually bring a car on stage at this point. I say at this point because it happens later. Um, so we've oh. got car lights down on the bottom of the stage. And then the, the band is lit up in purple, which makes it really cute, really pretty. So we've got car lights down here and then the car lights go way up high and then the car lights are over here. And it looks like he's driving up a mountain, but it's like in different spots. And if you're watching on on our Patreon, I just look like a little monkey right now going, ooh, ooh, with where the lights are going. So the lights are all over the dance for me. Uh, uh, uh. This is why I'm getting off track. Anyway, uh, the best part of the show here is is the orchestra, if I'm being completely fucking honest. The orchestra is like vibing right now in this little transition time. So during the ensuing chase, these men are chasing him in the car. Joe evades his pursuers by pulling into the garage of a palatial but dilapidated mansion on Sunset Boulevard. They said the name of the show. They said the name of the thing. They did the thing. So he pulls into this garage and turns off his car and the guys go right past him. 
He is then beckoned inside the house by a man's voice, and this voice is Max. So Joe first encounters Norma Desmond as he's beckoned inside this creepy-ass mansion in the song Surrender. So we find out that Norma Desmond is the star actress of the silent film era. She still has a shit ton of money and no influence, but a shit ton of money. And she's been living in this dilapidated mansion kind of by herself with Max, you know, helping her out. She has this um, red 1920s uh, wavy bob cut, like the typical bob you'd see. Black glasses, like like sunglasses on, um, and then like this this dark outfit with a green shawl over it. It's really pretty. She looks really good. And as soon as she comes on stage, it's going close, so the audience goes fucking nuts, nucking futs, and the audience is going so crazy wild that we cannot hear the first part of the song "Surrender," which goes Corella Davian, <laughs> Corella Davian, almost. I mean, damn. If she doesn't scare oh, you, know you. I'm putting my mic away. So um, her house is depicted as very dark, much like the rest of the show, with a busted up chandelier, dim light. It's like the Phantom of the Opera chandelier, except like like the lot, what is it, lot 66 or whatever. A lot 666, the busted up chandelier, but it's like sideways up and being hung in her house like in a weird way. Um, she is standing in front. Oh my God, this is so weird. She's singing to someone or something that is dead covered up on a table. And she's, she, yeah, she's really, she's sad at this point. And she's singing this song surrender. And basically she's like, she'll, she's saying, I'll see you again when I die, when I surrender. And so surrender is a theme that comes back several times. This surrender to death kind of theme. She pulls back the cover and it's a dead monkey. <gasps> it's so bad. It's, uh, is it the monkey from Lot 665 yes, of Family little, Opera? You know, the little, like, little clingy one? Yeah, yeah, so we're seeing. Thank you for welcome. catching that. <laughs> oh, no, I'm right there with you. Oh, my God. Fucking, yeah. Anyway, so it's a little dead monkey on the table. I'm so sorry, everybody. Of course it's a monkey. It's it's. Monkey, 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 monkey. She tries to kick out this man, Joe, when he realizes that he's not the undertaker that's come for her monkey. (laughs) Taken aback, Joe comments, aren't you Norma Desmond? You used to be in pictures. You used to be big. To which Norma reports or retorts back to him, I am big. It's the pictures that got small. And the, everybody goes nuts over that line because it's in the movie. Oh my God, she said it. I love that line. She said the she line. She said the line. Uh, and then she sings with one look. Oh, I'm right. 
It's there in black and white when I look your way. You hear what I say? Yes, with one look, I put words to shame. Just one look sets the screen aflame. Silent music starts to play. One tear in my eye makes the whole world a cry. And this is one of the songs that I was like, I don't think I want to sing this in my life, but I can respect this song. And I heard it when I was six on my Andrew Lloyd Webber collection cassette tape. Cassette. cassette tape and I was like it's Patty Lapone. I have that one so I'm like that's how I would sing it when I was six yeah it's it's very Patty very Patty so that's so funny okay continue Thank you for that concert. Um, you're very welcome. So she sings uh, with one look, and it's it's a it's a classic song. Um, the audience goes fucking nuts over it, and they're they're clapping so loud. Um, so she's the song is about how she was so good in her heyday, and how she still is good. Um, and she's like, with one look, I can break your heart. With one look, I play every part. So. Um, She's she's singing and uh, basically she's like, I am the best. I am the best. I'm the best. I'm the best. Um, I'm amazing. And I don't even need to speak in order to be understood because I did silent movies. So fuck off. And then she looks at him once the song is over and goes, now go and starts to walk away. An audience goes nuts. Um, he tells her, no, wait, wait, wait. I'm a fan and I'm a writer. And then she becomes suddenly interested that this writer is there. Um you a writer. Uh, yeah. Um, the gloomy estate they find, uh, he finds out, Joe finds out, is inhabited by Norma and Max, who is her loyal butler and chauffeur, as we figured out earlier. And although decades past her prime and almost forgotten by the public, Norma is convinced that she is as beautiful and popular as ever. And so, um, in this, in that song with one look, she, I believe it's in that song. She starts to talk about, uh, we, we show them how to, how to view beauty essentially is I taught the world how to show or how to, how to see beauty. Um, and that comes back several times too. She's just like fucking delusional. Um, <laughs> y- yeah, no, nobody wants to be Norman Desmond in their older life. So anyway, um, Max actually perpetuates this illusion because he still loves her so much. He's just her devoted servant. Um, He perpetuates the illusion that she is still popular and she is still loved and she is still beautiful. And he shields her from the realities of life um, out of, of her being out of the limelight by writing her letters every day from fans. Yeah. So he writes fan mail to her. Every it was really cute until it really wasn't. Yeah, he's like going above and beyond to make sure she thinks that she's still popular. Yeah. So right now she thinks it's her choice that she's not in the movies. Um, it's really sad. It's very sad. So Nor- Norma yeah. though informs Joe that she plans on making her 
coming back to the films, not making a comeback. She says that's a dirty word or that's a dirty phrase. But coming back into films with Salome, a script that she's written for Cecil B. DeMille to direct with her in the starring role as the teenage biblical temptress. In the song, Salome. And her stirring like a gorgon. They drag the Baptist up from the jails. She dances the dance of the seven for some comedy relief so she thinks she's a teenager yeah somebody actually asks her later when she's at paramount how old is salome she's like 16 and she's in her like 60s or 70s at this yeah. point she's she's pretty damn old um not that's not pretty damn old but she is older than but like not, she's 16. not gonna play 16 this this will come back later for sure um okay. So anyway, she has written this gigantic and (laughs) sensing an opportunity, but kind of weary of it. Joe accepts her offer to work on editing the script. She's like, you're a writer. You can edit this. She hands him this gigantic stack of papers. And it's like, he's like, how how long are movies these days? Like, how long are scripts these days? I don't know. And then just hands him this thing. And he's like, oh, my, Um, not this long. Uh, so he accepts to off to, to work on editing the script, and Norma insists that while he works, Joe stays in her home while they collaborate on Salome in the song "The Greatest Star of All." She's half forgotten, but it's the pictures that got small. She. would sacrifice themselves to touch her shadow. This song is sung by the butler, Max. Um, and we find out a lot about what Max has done for her in this time. And she doesn't know that this movie, they actually talk about it in the beginning when uh, everybody's talking about lunch with Joe earlier. They talk about Cecil is already on set filming a Salome at this moment. So there's already something being made. Um, side note, if you're interested in Salome, HGO is doing it soon, sometime in April or May. It's They didn't want me. They didn't want you. They were in the, they're only, ca- they're looking for, okay, yeah, they're still casting, uh, super new Marys. Now it's only men and yeah, they want shirtless men. I think half is specifically, uh, BIPOC. Yes. I think. Yes. But when I submitted, they were looking for anybody. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. They have their group of people they go to, um, but they they do want shirtless men and BIPOC people at this moment. So if you're looking for a job as a super, have fun. And you have a great body. And you, yeah, if you enjoy being shirtless on stage, go for it. Because, never mind, I was about to get cynical. Continue. Anyway, um... <laughs> So, side note, 
for, I will say, side note for the production itself, whoever was working Glenn Close's spotlight and her mic that night fucked up. Oh, shit. Yes. The spotlight, when she first came on stage and people were going nutso crazy, they stopped following her and she was walking in the dark. I'm like, first of all, it's Glenn Close. Secondly, this is Norma Desmond. She needs to be lit at all times. You follow her. She does not follow your light. She may be changing the blocking, but you do not get to move her light before she moves. So I was like, I don't know who they put on that, but they should have been fired. It was that. And then at one point, her mic goes out. I'll, I'll get there when I get there. Anyway, um, Joe immediately realizes the script is absolutely incoherent. But because Norma won't allow major rewrites, the revisions drag on for months and months and months. And in that time, he's living there. Um, his stuff is moved from his apartment to the, the house on Sunset Boulevard. Um and he's basically virtually imprisoned within the house, but he does break away to fulfill a commitment to meet up with Betty and talk about the script that they were going to collaborate on, potentially. Um, so they do meet up, and their working relationship blossoms into a romance that is has her reconsidering her engagement to Joe's best friend, Artie, in the song, Girl Meets Boy. Girl Meets Boy that's a safe beginning. It's nearly closing. I thought you weren't going to show. So did I. I felt it might be kinder. What are you saying? Come on, Miss Schaefer, you know. What? Every time I see some young kid dreaming they'll produce a masterpiece, I just want to throw them on the next train home. Never thought. You'd be so condescending. Sorry, Miss Schaefer. I didn't come here to fight. Girl meets boy, if that's how you want it. So, Joe realizes you have something to say here. No, it's like, (laughs) girl meets boy, boy meets world. Girl meets world. (laughs) And then I started singing Lucky in my brain. Just like that's I love I love hearing the the pathways that your brain takes of my brain. <laughs> I was like, is it she lucky? And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Actually, I was, I've got an off script. I need some song recommendations for Sunday's off script. And that Britney Spears is one I've wanted to do for a while. Wait, that's a good song. But that's my song. You can't take my song. I don't want it. It's too low for me. But I want another Britney Spears one. We'll talk later. Anyway. Oops, I did it again. I feel like if I do if I do that one, I need to go buy a red jumpsuit. I need to get the hair done and I need to like learn Or just do dance. toxic your toxic toxic and you know, and I will say, I don't know that one as well. I know it, but I don't know it well enough to be able to just pick it up and do it. And at this point, we're less than a week out and I need a song that I can just do. So wait, what isn't stronger than yesterday? Now it's nothing but a mile away Because loneliness ain't killing me no more strong Do that one! Okay, yeah, 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 I can do that. You got that one. Okay, see, we just did it. You're welcome, everybody. So low. I'll work into it. I'll smoke some cigars. 
So Joe realizes that Norma is out of her damn fucking mind, and he feels sorry for her in the song New Ways to Dream. Movies were born, so many songs yet to be sung. So Something fun. Sounds like he's ageist. He's a little ageist, but also she is out of her damn mind. She is she's disconnected from reality and she's out of her mind. Um, mm. she bases a lot of her decisions on I'm not gonna say that that this makes you crazy because it doesn't, because I also base some decisions on this, but she bases her decisions on the stars and the zodiac signs. So when, <laughs> when, <laughs> when, when she, it just makes, it makes him feel uncomfortable that she's doing this. He's like, damn, she's out of her mind. He should not go to LA. No. I'm just like, wait, really? She actually, I love that. She hires <laughs> Joe because he's a Sagittarius and can be trusted. You know how many people in today's day and age yeah. does know, that exactly? I know, and that doesn't make you crazy. It just makes you eccentric, no. like how we described Norma in the beginning. She's eccentric, um, and that's just that's how you that's how you rule your life, and that's cool too. So anyway, he gives her a terrible script, um, or she he gives her the script, um, and she has the script in her hand, and she's like, "Today's the day, Joe." Today, the, the stars are aligning, and she mentioned something about the stars in, in a certain alignment, and I don't, I didn't recognize it, so I didn't write it down. Um, but she's like, today's this day, and the stars are aligned in this way, and so I'm going to give my script to Cecil DeMille. Cecil B. DeMille. Mercury's in Mercury's microwave. Mercury's in microwave is not a good time to give your script to Cecil B. DeMille. And Maybe. she knows that. So he's he says, okay, cool, I'm going to go back to my apartment after the script is delivered. And I'll I'll be done here. And she's she freaks the fuck out. She's like, don't leave me, don't leave me. She freaks the fuck out. And so he's like, oh, I feel bad for this little old lady. And he says he'll stay. So he stays. Um, blind to Joe's opportunism, Norma lavishes him with gifts that include a wardrobe makeover. And he kind of <laughs> Joe kind of becomes her kept man in the song, The Ladies Pain. This is the song that our friend comes in. Um, the the sh- uh, Manfred. His name is Manfred. His name's Fred, but he's a man, so he's Manfred. As opposed, opposed to, woman, to Fred. woman Fred or non-binary. Non-binary Fred. Fred. Uh, I would say he's he's not. Wait. Yeah. I really like fluid Fred. <laughs> that actually makes me so happy. <laughs> fluid Fred. I love fluid. Wait, I love fluid I love Fred. Those. Oh, but he's def- <laughs> such a good character. He's definitely like he's playing it gay Aww. in this in this version, and we we love it. And he's like, "I'm gonna dress you up, and don't worry about it, because the lady's paying." And when she pays, she's like, "You know, I'm gonna get you the nice shit." So, um, they are literally like as they're singing the song, they're measuring his crotch, and he's reacting to it like whoop in time with the music, which I thought was funny. Um. Anyway, and then her mic goes out. What the fuck, Broadway? 
while she's singing yes. with him. Um, she just busts into this this fitting room while they're fitting him, and he's like half naked. You know, and she's like, "I'm just gonna watch now." Cool, thank you. As, As you, do. you do, we find out that the the New Year's Eve party. Um, she wants to and she wants him to go to her New Year's Eve party and show him off because he is her kept man. Uh, and he's like, what New Year's Eve party? I'm going to Artie's New Year's Eve party. I've already, I've already made plans for New Year's. You know, I don't, we're not, we're not that close. And she convinces him because she's like, no, I've already sent out all the invitations and all these people are coming and I've told him you'll be there. And I wanted to, and she guilts him into going to her party at sunset boulevard um so he's like yeah okay no big deal it's fine it's fine i'll go to your party it's fine so he's like but i i don't wear i don't wear um what is it i don't wear suits or i don't wear i don't wear tuxes and she's like oh darling tuxes are for waiters and so immediately they fit him for tails they start to put him in tails and so anyway, he's dressed in tails, and this is how they transition into the New Year's party. What? Not, Not heads. heads, just tails. But tails. I had to take a drink. Oh, I know, that was such a good <laughs> joke. You know, it's like my ghost tour when I do a joke and people don't laugh. You have to take a good drink. Lord. Ugh. Anyway, um, he's dressed in tails as they transition from the Let's Dress You Up song into the next scene at her New Year's Eve party. She's in this sparkly dress and she comes out and he's like, oh, you look so lovely. And she asks him to dance the tango with her. And at one point, I really liked how they did this. At one point during the dance, a younger dancer with the same hair color that she has come on, comes on the stage and dances with him in this 1920s attire, same time period that Norma was recording the silent films. It's a younger version of Norma. And he is seeing it. Joe is seeing this younger version of Norma as he's dancing with her. So Norma, the older Norma, steps back while Joe is dancing with this younger version. And it's really sad. It's really sad because like she's imagining herself as that younger person. She's all lit up and excited and happy about it. And he's starting to enjoy this. He's he's getting free stuff. He's getting taken care of. You know, he's got a place to live. He doesn't have to worry about bills. And he's starting to see this, this vibrant young version of her. Um, so then she dances off and it's back to reality when she when Norma kisses him. And it declares, oh, I know. Sorry, I myself. <laughs> first, I was like, wait, kisses wait. her back, oh. but then he pulls back and he's like, ah, I don't know about this. Uh. He declares her love for him and, and starts to turn pretty possessive in the song, The Perfect Year. It's New Year's Eve and hopes are high. Dance one year in, kiss one goodbye. Another chance, another start So many dreams to tease the heart We don't need a crowded ballroom Everything we want is here And face to face we will embrace The perfect year 
So she kisses him again and says, no, he's like, where are all the guests, Norma, trying to change the subject and get away from her. And she's like, no other guests are coming. <laughs> it's just for us. It's a party just for us. And he gets really mad. Oh, yeah, he gets weird. so pissed off. Yeah. Um, and she says she can buy him anything he wants and their life will be amazing. And he gets really uncomfortable and upset. And he's like, fuck you, bitch, but not in those words. And she slaps him and he's mad and he leaves to go to Artie's party. He's like, fuck you. I'm going somewhere else in the song this time next year. So he's going to Artie's party in this song and like there's all these young dancers and they're having fun and they're drinking and they're having a good time at the New Year's Eve party. And Norma is yeah. Norma's at yeah. home. She's distraught and she attempts to unalive herself. That's what it says in the synopsis. Oh. That's what I understood happens in the movie. But in the stage musical that I saw she was just really distraught um and as a as a gesture when he finds out Joe returns to Sunset Boulevard and he's apologizing and he's holding her and he's he feels really guilty that and he thinks it's his fault um yeah I mean it's not his not that it no it's not but like yeah this is this is a really really rocky fucked up relationship and then we end with this beautiful orchestration Mm -hmm. after a shit show of an act one but at least we get a good orchestration at the end and it's just sweeping and gorgeous and lovely and that's the end of act one you ready to go on to act two when is like betty you know betty came in when they met for coffee and she was in the scene before i will say if you're Betty or you're playing a chorus member, you've got a maid in the fucking shade, yo. Or if you're Cecil B. DeMille, you've got a maid. I feel like it was like a sentence. like, And then Betty came in and what? then we moved on. And I'm yeah, like, that's what it was. Betty came in for that one scene with the producer in the beginning. She's like, his script sucks. And then she talks to him and she's like, actually, your older stuff was better. Let's collaborate. He's like, cool. She's like, let's meet for coffee. He's like, all right. And so then he goes to live at Sunset Boulevard accidentally. And then he goes and meets up with Betty and has coffee. And that's act two for her. That's all. Or that's act. That's all of act one for her. Isn't it crazy? This is a crazy show. You ready for act two? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They both. Oh, yes. They both. Oh, yes. They both reach for the gun, the gun, the gun, the gun. Oh, yes. They both reach for the gun, for the gun. That's what I'm naming act two. But they did Except oh, wait, really? oh, except they oh. both did not reach for the gun. You ready? There's not telling. Wait, who dies? Remember we open. You remember oh, we open with a homicide report. Oh, I forgot that this was a true crime <laughs> story. That's the one good thing. <laughs> I do remember a homicide, but I don't. I don't. I like. It's I, the pro. It's it the, the one prologue. good thing about this musical. A lot. Honestly, happened. the one good Sounds thing about this musical is that it's a. Uh, Oh no! It's a true crime. Somebody dies. <laughs> it's not. And it's well, not the monkey. The monkey. Did die. Well, dead. the monkey d- oh, was already yeah, when dead. We started the show. Anyway, Act Two. Hi, welcome back. Welcome back. 
we're gonna go through this crazy shit show. Is there any good, like, welcome song? My brain went to, like, Moana's, like, you're welcome, which is not the same kind of welcome. Uh, I don't know. We'll think about it. Like, be our guest, but no, I want the word welcome. Huh. Uh, We'll think of something. We'll think of it. We'll, We'll figure it out. Give us, send us your best welcome songs that are Broadway related, friends. We need them. Or original welcome songs, just or, out of curiosity. Sure. Original welcome songs are also welcomed. Okay, act two, Sunset Boulevard. Sunset Boulevard, Sunset no. Boulevard, no. Sunset Boulevard. I'm Aaron Eveling. Boulevard. Stop. Oh my God. Okay, so. If you like Joe, if you like the character playing Joe, we start off with Joe walking up from somewhere that we assume is a pool because he's just wearing his little tidy whitey underwear looking things that are blue. We assume it's a pool. His little swimsuit. He's wearing a little swimsuit and he's got a towel and he's like toweling himself off while he sings a song. Do you want to guess what song he's singing? My tidy whitey. <laughs> No. Anyway, before Joe walks up, I'll tell you about the song. Before I, Joe, but, okay. My tidy whities, my tidy whities. I was thinking like a, he's got a tidy things up in his tidy whities. Good lord! Start to fuck things up at the end of Act One. Oh my god! He, I mean, he didn't do anything he's, to fuck anything. He start, up. Well, there was a mess. There was a mess at the end of Act One. Messy. So and now he's, he's got a tidy, tidy his tidy whitey. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That is and true. Is he looking a little whitey in his tidies? He's very whitey. God. He's very whitey in his tighties. He that's is. why he was in the pool with the tan. But he's uh he's he's got he's, he's looking good. He's looking good in that swimsuit. But before he walks on stage, the opening of Act Two is this absolutely gorgeous oration. Absolutely gorgeous. And how gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous, darling. Sing it. It's gorgeous. Anyway, so as the orchestra is bringing us into act two, we've got a scrim covering the stage and black and white movies are playing on the scrim. So we see mm-hmm. Norma Desmond in her heyday. So Joe is now walking up from the pool, living life in the luxurious Sunset Boulevard at Norma Desmond's mansion. And uh, for reasons he bluntly states are mercenary uh, in the song, Sunset Boulevard. Sure, I came out here to make my name. Wanted my pool, my dose of fame. Wanted my parking space at Warner's. But after a year, a one-room hell, a Murphy bed, a rancid smell, wallpaper peeling at the corners. Sunset Boulevard, twisting Boulevard, secretive and rich, a little scary. Sunset Boulevard, tempting Boulevard, waiting there to swallow the unwary. They said the Sunset name of the song. Boulevard, no. Sunset Boulevard. Stop it. Now. Sunset. Correct. Boulevard. That's kind of funny. You can't, you can't just not sing the rest of it. <laughs> anyway, he's singing Sunset Boulevard. And he's, we kind of get the idea that he's kind of pissed off that he's there, but he's like, well, nothing else I can do if I want her to. If I don't want to be responsible for somebody's death, I better I better just stay here, essentially. He's he's kind of trapped, but he's like, yeah, you know, but I, you know, if I'm honest, I kind of like her. She's nice. She buys me shit. 
That's what he's saying. Yeah, like at one point he's like, and if I'm honest, I like the lady. I cannot help it. I, I can't help but think of something, something. And then he starts listing all the stuff that he's buying, that she's buying for him. So he doesn't, he doesn't mind. He doesn't mind being a kept man. She's um, buying him shit. So he's a gigolo. So he walks. Gigolo. And at this point. Oh, oh. We do. Okay, I'm done. I love that song. I stopped talking over you because I don't know if I'm going to be heard or not on our recording. You won't be because I'm singing Hedwig and the Angry Edge. Cool, 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 cool. So anyway, he's walking out in this little tight swimsuit and he's singing the song. And we get the idea that he's really, he's he's kind of he's mad about it, but he's not mad about it, you know. Anyway, we get the idea. Uh, he can't leave now. He's kind of trapped there. Uh, do whatever she wants for money and the lifestyle is what he's saying. I'm going to do anything she wants. And we also get the idea that they're now sleeping together. Oh. Also, was that James who just walked out? That in? was James. He just came back from his walk. Uh, he did he send you the cat with the chocolate? No. Okay. <laughs> I'll send it to you. I was like, I hate this. <laughs> so he's saying, I'll do anything that it takes because LA has broken me and I enjoy being taken care of by this rich lady. Um. Oh, oh, he did send me that. Yeah, he that did send me that. Me. That's hilarious. It freaks me <laughs> out. It's a cat that has like a chocolate cat that looks like a mask, and just it's all wrong. It's, it's part of those bunny. It's it's the the hollowed out bunnies that you get at Easter. The chocolate bunnies. It's like the half of the face that's made into a mask for the the cat's wearing. It's really funny. We'll post it on like the story or something. Thing for me. I'm your angel of meowsic. <laughs> How perfect. Thank you. Perfect. I know, so, awesome. Anyway, Joe's doing anything for money at this point. He knows he can't really leave. He's a kept man. Um, but he also knows it's a really he knows it's a fucked up relationship and he feels responsible for her now. Um and he even says towards the end of the song, still, I'll enjoy a hearty meal before tomorrow's execution. Yeah. Is that foreshadowing in his song? Hmm. Interesting. Do you have th- something to say or are you just going to yawn into the mic? <laughs> I muted myself so I can move my mic. <laughs> so, <laughs> a... A cryptic message from Paramount Studios has Norma absolutely certain that Cecil B. DeMille is eager to discuss her script. In the song, There's Been a Call. There's been a call. What did I say? They want to see me right away. Joe Paramount, they love our child. Mr. DeMille is going wild. That's wonderful, Norma. But... It was some fool assistant Not acceptable at all If he wants me Then Cecil B Himself must call I don't know if this is the time to stand on ceremony Yeah, that checks out, that checks out It checks out Um, At this point, they bring her car on stage And it's a gorgeous old 1920s well-kept Isada Frashini 
I think I'm saying that right. Isada Frashini. It's a car. It's a pretty car. Um, and we actually see, <laughs> okay. see Cecil, uh, we see Max driving it, and both Norma and Joe are in the back seat. And she gets outside of the um, outside of the uh, um, Paramount Studios entrance, and they're like, "You can't come in here." And she looks out. She's like, "It's Norma, darling." And one of the people recognizes one of the older guards recognizes her and lets her in. Um, Aww, yeah, it's really sweet. So. Anyway, she drops in on the set of the current film that Cecil is is making and is greeted warmly by former colleagues and the famed director himself, Cecil. But Cecil's pretty noncommittal about the script, Salome. And we actually, before he sees her, he's talking to somebody about it. Like, yeah, that piece of shit. Nah. Yeah, he just, he's not into it. He's like, nah, that is, that's the worst script I think I've ever read. He thinks it's horrible, but he's not going to tell her that because much like everybody else who's placating her because she's old and she's famous, they're they're just going to keep lying to her and make her think that she's really good, but then not answer her back. So they're they're not being genuine, just like Joe does not have any genuine friends in L.A. at the very beginning. So in a way, those two, they relate to each other. They just don't know that they do. And in very different ways, like somebody who is a no uh, like a low life um, beginner in LA and then somebody who did their career in LA and have this like huge success, they're both still, they end up in the same place. So it's really sad. It's really sad for both of them. Um, so anyway, she's taking a moment to walk around on set and she's reminded about her passion for performance and being around all of this, this, beauty of the cameras and the set and the crew walking around uh, in the song as if we never said goodbye. I'm coming out of makeup The light's already burning Not long until the cameras will start turning Yes, everything's as if we never said goodbye. Friends, yep. never say goodbye. No. Give me a second, I need do, to close do, the door. Do, do. Friends, never say goodbye. Da, 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 friends. Never say goodbye. Okay. Now this, that should be a musical. Is yeah, Road to El Dorado? There you go. Actually, it should be. That was a really that was a fun. Thank movie. you. So, um, as if we never said goodbye is the song, like the song of the show. Um, Sunset Boulevard may be like the title song of the show, but as if we never said goodbye is the song that gets performed the most. And if you are a woman of a certain age, this is the song for you. And I'm talking about... Well, like, I have a song for you. I have a song for you. This is like um, 40s, 50s, 60s. You know, this is that song. Um, You're because, aging into it. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was thinking of singing this song because it's it's heartbreaking and, and inspirational at the same time. It is. Um, she even says, there's so much to live for because she wants to die. She's, you know, she's, she's losing it. 
part of her knows that her career is over, but she's delusional. But part part of her does know that. And she's like, when I'm here, there's so much to live for. When I'm on the set of a film, when I'm performing, when I'm doing my thing, this is where I'm meant to be. And so as if we never said goodbye is, is her ode to the theater, her ode to um, being a performer. And she's like, I'm so ready to come back. I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to be on set again. Um, and she's talking about the lights and the cameras and how they're there. She's personifying them as if they're people. So it's a beautiful song. It is the song and you got to listen to Patti LuPone sing it. Um, but anyway, she's, she's delusional still and mm-hmm. suicidal apparently. Mm-hmm. And, but she thinks that, and in this song, we hear that she believes that her script will be her comeback. This script, this Salome thing is going to be her big chance to get back into the movies, even though she could have come back anytime she wanted to. This is it, though, for her. Um, She's putting so much on this script, and it's going to be a failure because nobody's honest with her, and that is going Mm -hmm. to fucking break her. So if she's not already broken... Yeah. Um, and I, this is the scene that somebody asks, how old is Salome? She's like 16. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay. And you're playing it? She's like, yeah, of course. So, duh. duh. Meanwhile, um, Max and Joe discovers that the reason why Paramount called, and they actually did call, uh, was because somebody, somebody on set saw that she had an Isota Frashini car and wanted to buy it from her. Isn't that sad? They weren't calling about her script. Somebody on set was just like, I saw your car and I really want to buy it I from you. I wanted it. I want it. I want to buy it from you. It's pretty. Um the show it, get happier? It doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. Um, it really doesn't. So Cecil realizes that Norma is never going to give up on the dream of Salome. And even though he will never hire her, uh, he's he's just still sad about it and sad about where she is in life in the song Surrender Reprise. Would have seen her at 17 when all of her dreams were new. Beautiful and strong before it all went wrong. She's never So here's that surrender coming back again in a different way. Um, He's like, she will never surrender. And in the beginning, it was, can't wait to see you when I surrender my life, when I die. So surrender's being used in a couple of different ways here. Uh, Meanwhile, Joe and Betty uh, meet up to write a little bit more, and they're falling in love in the song Girl Meets Boy Reprise. Girl likes boy, she respects his talent. Working with someone can turn you into a fan. This is fun, riding with a partner. Yes, and it could be a hell of a movie. Can we really do this? I know that. 
So again, she doesn't have any good songs and this song is not a good song, but it's cute. Cause they're like, you know, like he's leaning over while she's writing and she's like looking back at him and they're giving really good ideas to each other. And it's, it's super fun. And so they kind of realize that they're writing a love story. They didn't mean they realized they're writing a love story and it's their love story that they're writing and they didn't even realize her. So lame. But they're while, lame. That's so lame. And they're at his apartment while they're writing this. And ah. she, she finds a cigarette holder made of pure gold with the name Norma on it. And she asks <gasps> about it. Yep. Betty's like, who's Norma? And he's like, oh, it's a friend. And Joe realizes then he's falling for Betty. Teehee. Your mouth. Close your mouth, ma'am. Is he stealing from Norma? No, he's not stealing. She gave it to him. Oh. She, she gave him stuff. It just has her name on it, like from I just Norma. Thought, okay. I, Sorry, thought I meant to say that, from Norma. Oh, I thought I thought he was point blank stealing shit. No, he's not stealing shit. Okay. And like but abusing like, like the elderly. Okay. No, 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 no. He is now. okay. He's taken from her, but he's also given back something. So mm. anyway. Um, he's like, oh, Norma's a friend. Um, and he, he realizes in this moment, like she freezes and he looks up at the audience and the lights change. And it's one of those break the fourth wall moments while everything else is frozen. And that's it. He just looks at the audience when he realizes that he loves her and oh God, okay. the scene changes. And I'm like, what the fuck? What? He goes, <gasps> yeah. And then he comes back. Yeah, okay. that was it. That was it. I was like, this sucks. So, um, Huh. However, a delusional Norma leaves a lot convinced that soon she'll be back in front of the cameras. So she's saying goodbye to everybody at um, Paramount. Anyway, uh, she begins to prepare for the role of Salome in her own Salome show uh, in the song, Eternal Youth is Worth a Little Suffering. I don't think you should shoot before July. We'll soon have you skipping like an ingenue. You won't look a day over 40. And here's where huh. suffering comes in. Uh, this is a whole chorus of women that are dressed as beauticians. And Norma is laying on a table being rolled around by these beauticians. And they're like waxing her and plucking at her and putting stuff on her. So she's being waxed and moisturized by all these people who are going to say, you won't look over 40 when we're done with you. <laughs> it's like she wants to play 16, but she's not going to look over 40. So increasingly paranoid, Norma goes home and she she figures out that something's going on. Uh, he knows that she knows that Joe has a friend named Betty and that they're working mm -hmm. on something. And she's convinced that they're more than just friends in the song. Mm -hmm. Too much love to care. Great advice. Let's throw it away. I can control all the things I'm feeling. We're floating in me. If we are fools, well, we're too much. 
touching love to So he tells her it's nothing, and she has a little bitty mini breakdown and then goes to bed. And he goes back to finish the script with Betty. And then Betty and Joe kiss. Ah, well, duh. Yeah, they kiss. Duh. We knew that was going to happen. So they're falling in love, and Betty's like, yeah, I think I'm going to leave my fiancé, friend. So, yeah. Nobody's a good guy in the show. There are no No, no, there are like no good people in the show. Okay. It's all LA trash. So anyway, um, I love I love my friends that live in LA, side note, but in this doesn't mean there ain't trash there. I mean there ain't trash there. So anyway, we find out in this next scene that Max directed Norma in all of her early movies, and he may be a little bit in love with her in the song New Ways to Dream Reprise. So I play this game, keeper of the flame, sharing with her one last dream. Don't you think I knew it never could come say this whole new ways to dream has been norma's um it's been her her motto throughout the the show ever since she sings um her her big number as if we never said goodbye and then she kind of says it earlier in with one look we taught them new ways dream and this is just that delusion of i'm so good that people now can dream of bigger, brighter tomorrows because of my acting. It's just so fucking delusional. Um, so anyway, that's Max's song. And she, uh, Norma, goes upstairs to her bedroom now. And she calls Betty um, to reveal that Joe is living a secret life at her mansion. So Norma's Whoa. talking to Betty on the phone. And Joe overhears it, grabs the phone... And he's like, yeah, Betty, I am living at this mansion. Come see it for yourself. And hangs up the phone. And she's mad at him. He won't talk to her. Um, Norma is is mad. But Joe is madder. And Norma's kind of desperate and losing her shit. She's like, don't be mad at me. Don't just ignore me. Talk to me. And he just won't talk to her. And he's just, he's so mad at her. So he goes downstairs to sit on the couch to wait for um, Betty to come over to the the mansion. And while he's waiting for her, this orchestration of Sunset Boulevard starts playing and there's people dancing around him and all the things that he's experienced in this entire show starts swirling around him. And then these papers fall from the ceiling, like the script that he's been editing. It falls from the, sca- from the ceiling. And uh, realizing that his and Betty's affair is doomed because he's essentially a gigolo, Joe... Uh, really intensely and and uh, super rude. He tells her uh, that he enjoys being Norma's pet and that Betty should go back to Artie. He's like, basically, fuck you. Yeah, I live here. I've got nothing to be ashamed of. Um, and he just completely, he, he completely shits on her dreams of them being together. So um, 
part of this song that he sings, he's like, you should go back to Artie and marry the fool and you'll always be welcome to swim in the pool. And I'm like, oh, I hate it. I hate that rhyme. It's bad. No wonder he's not getting work as a writer. I was like, this is maddening. It is. So he's like, basically, he's like, yeah, the house is so fucking grand. And let me give you a tour. And she's like, what the hell is happening? Um, and he's like, this is such a great place. I can never leave it. I can't leave it for you, especially. And he basically just like scares off Betty because he gets really crazy in her face. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so Betty leaves. She's confused and she's heartbroken um, and tells Joe tells Norma that he's leaving. Uh, he's going to leave her. He's going to leave Norma. And uh, he's going to return to his hometown in Dayton, Ohio. Yikes. Okay, have fun. Bye. So he bluntly informs her, informs Norma that her script, Salome, is unfilmable. And her fans have been long abandoned because her her butler, Max, is writing her all of these, all this fan mail. It's not, she doesn't have any fans. That she's old and she's decrepit and nobody loves her. And her script will never be made because she's a horrible writer and she has no talent. Like he he lays it out. So furious and grief-stricken, out of nowhere, this bitch pulls out a gun and points it at Joe. And while his back is turned, she shoots him. He turns around. He's like, what the fuck? She shoots him again. And then she shoots him one more time. So she shoots him three times. Three times as he tries to storm out of the house. And he falls to the ground. And Max is standing there like, oh, shit. And Norma's kind of starting to lose it. She's like, what did I do? Fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. And she runs upstairs. Was Yeah. And then immediately, immediately, we hear cop cars. Um, we hear, we hear people coming in and commotion is happening and there's cameras and there's film, film crew getting film and, and, and pictures of the crime scene while the police are there. And now completely she had, Norma is in a different world. Now she is dressed. She has a headpiece on that has beads falling from it. Um, to represent Salome, the character that she now thinks that she is. And I will say Salome cuts off the man's head in the end of the opera, in the end of the 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 tale. Um, so it's not it's not completely a surprise or a shocker that she kills him, to me at least, because I know the story of Salome. This is there's a lot of parallels in it to the as a parallel. Yeah. yeah. So she's completely lost her shit now. She's dressed like Salome. She's got these this beaded headdress thing in her face, and she's got um, youthful-looking 1920s clothing on. Um, she's up at the top of her stairwell, and she's like, all these people are coming at her and trying to interview her. And she's afraid. She's scared, um, but she, she's lost it. And Max comes up to her, and he's like, no, Norm, don't be afraid. These are your fans. And again, Max placates this delusion and to get her to come downstairs so they can arrest her. So <laughs> she's speaking as she walks downstairs, as she's losing it here, before Max can calm her down, she's speaking all of the lines from the show, little moments in the show that come back to her. So she's singing and speaking these different lines. So the things about surrender, the things about 
Um, we taught them new ways to dream. Everything is coming back as she's like reciting the entire monologue of Sunset Boulevard, the musical essentially. And then Max calms her down and tells her, no, 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 these are your fans. Come downstairs and greet your fans. And so Norma mistakes the swarms of police and reporters who have arrived um, for in her mansion to, uh, for studio personnel with with Max placating this delusion. So it's so sad. So she's descending the staircase and as she actually descends, the orchestration comes back up. It's the orchestration in her mind. And she says, um, she, he, he, Max is like, you're the greatest star of all. You are the greatest star of all go meet your people. So imagine her, imagining herself on the set of Salome, she slowly descends this grand staircase and comes downstairs and says to everybody, I just want to say one more thing, one thing before we start filming. It's been a lifelong passion of mine and dream of mine to bring love and entertainment to the people through film. I love every one of you and thank you for being here. And now, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. And this all happens in the final scene, the song, the final scene. To be back in the studio making a picture. I promise you, I'll never desert you again. This is my life. It always will be. There's nothing else. Just us and the cameras. And all you wonderful people out there in the dark. And now, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. And then, before the blackout, she says, she sings a line from uh, her big song uh, with one, and she says, with one look, I'll be me. And then blackout. I'm staying for good, I'll be back where I was born to be With one look I'll be she That's said it. The thing. She said the thing. She said the thing. She didn't say Sunset Boulevard, I don't think. No, I'm ready for the close-up. She said the line. That is the famous fucking line. Yes, she said that line. And the audience is not going wild at this point because it's it's dark. They're like, oh, fuck. So this lady... Derek Kleena's dead on the stage. Uh-huh. Well, sorry, Joe is. Joe is dead on the stage and Glenn Close has lost her shit. Or whoever, Patty Lapone has lost her shit. Norma Desmond has lost a shoot. So it's just a tragic fucking tale. That's why it has to be an opera, right? I guess that makes sense now. Sunset Boulevard, Sunset Boulevard. I walk from Poof in my tighty whities Sunset and undies. When you go listen to Sunset Boulevard, you're going to be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I see it. I see it. I hear it. So anyway, that's Sunset Boulevard. And it's so appropriate that it's, it's, it's on a sunset. 
sun because your you know your life is ending <laughs> as as it sunsets. Anyway, that's that's that. All done. Are you hey hey hey? There was a lot. I just like I hadn't. <laughs> I don't know the story, and now I do, and I'm just like you need to unpack that. That's shit. not the direction I was expecting it to go. There's no happy endings in this. No. Does it my make hood sense? is my my act two uh, label. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, they both. Oh yes, they both. They didn't both reach for the gun. She just like randomly had. No, a gun. it doesn't make sense because only one butt gun, and it came out of nowhere. Came out of nowhere. Like literally, it came out of her pants or something, or her dress. I don't know where she was. Oh yes, they both. That thing. Oh, yes, they both. They both were angry. Tragic stories. And she got the gun, the gun, the gun, gun the, the gun, gun, the gun, the gun. <laughs> and it's tragic. So yeah, it's a. Uh, it's definitely an opera. It's definitely one of those tragedies. I really oh, like right. opera. Like fan of the opera. No. Wrong. Incorrect. And Sunset Boulevard. Incorrect. Also incorrect. Uh, you know who's not incorrect? Our patrons. Yes. Thank you. Sorry, patrons. I am like, you'll see this in the recording. I'm semi-dead right now. Yes, she is. Daylight Savings has got me. Yeah. And you can join our patrons at patreon.com slash wines and dolls to see this video of Chelsea doing wild things like drinking her water, which I've never seen her do before. And now she's splashing it around her mouth like a nasty ass. Anyway. If you would like to support us and if you want to support us in other ways, you can press subscribe anywhere you're listening to this podcast. And if you're on Apple or Spotify, please scroll down and press the star to the right and leave us review. Since we're doing opera. Okay, Betty. Ha. Huh. She doesn't even sing. Huh. Yeah, we tried. We tried. We did. Yes, go leave us a review. That'd be great. Um, still, I haven't got any screenshots. Be specific. That was my challenge to you. Be specific. Send us your screenshots of your reviews. What? Yes, I was gonna say if this is somebody's first time listening to Wines and Dolls, we want your screenshots of the reviews so we can send you stuff. We want to send you things, but darling, you gotta leave us a go review. back. <laughs> Listen to this episode, then go back to Jessica Vosk, and then go from there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We want to see your screenshots so we can send you shit. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and any of the other social, any of the other social medias. I'm having a hard time speaking this week. Any of our other social medias at Wines and Dolls. You can also email us your listener stories to winesanddolls at gmail.com or anything else you would like to tell us. I think we had a request a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah, it was please send us any ghost stories that you have. We don't care if it's in a theater or not. I want to hear them. Also, Always want a ghost story. Also send us uh, ways that you worked in. What was that phrase from last week? Shit, I can't remember. Oh, 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 my God spell. Oh, my God spells. And gumshoe. Gumshoe and oh, my God spell. How did you work that into a conversation? I love that. And yeah, just send it to us at winesanddolls at gmail.com or just go to our website at winesanddolls.com. Next week. Are you ready for next week, Chelsea? I'm ready. Are you? Maybe. I'm not. I will be. Emily, get ready. I'm I'm excited to explore. Uh, well, I wish they would get a cast recording out already. Actually, they will. Hmm. Anyways, and with that, I'm Chelsea. I'm Emily, and this has been wines and dolls. Goodbye. 